They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. Hey. We're very late there. Yeah, I was. Um, I got distracted. I was reading my notes. I I, I take notes. <laughs> what? I make notes. What? We've got this this close yeah. this close to to episode 150. When you started to get professional. Well, I've always had notes, but I I seldom I seldom uh, read them. I I basically have a brain dump of anything interesting I see related to running or to things that I find pretty stupid. I put in this big. A4 um, online um, file and then leave them there forever. Uh, yeah, I write down everything that I find interesting about running, which means that I'm left with a blank sheet when, uh, <laughs> when it comes to uh, the start of the podcast. Which is why we're here. <laughs> which is why we're here. <laughs> to add, to well, create, well, to create, create to excitement. Bad Boy Running, listener. Listener, if this is your first Bad Boy Running, um, it's a good one. It is a good one, and, and, and you, they're probably confused as to how can they know it's, it's going to be a good one. Well, it's always a good one. It's always a good but, one. It's um, a trick. Also, yeah, it's a trick. It's a trap. Yeah, exactly. But we, we've also recorded it in advance, as we often do, so that we can then um, seamlessly link into the interview. And uh, we've, inter- we've, and really we've, we've recorded just, the interview in advance. We haven't, of course, of course, we've recorded the uh, this bit in advance. This is not live, by the way. This is not. We're not. We're not in the same room with you talking to you you're listening to a pre-recorded podcast i just had to look around the house then and check (laughs) someone it'd be interesting if we did a very personal personalized service like that that we just phone someone up and present to them a podcast episode in fact that would that would just be an incredible piece of artwork wouldn't it let's do i mean and also having said that just because we might not be live doesn't mean that we're not currently watching you (laughs) or listening to you or, or persuading you. Listen. Be vigilant, people. Be vigilant. I'm but, behind um, you. How have you been? How was... Um... Say again. I'm behind you. Oh, that was for the listener. <laughs> what, I like, what, I like, what I like is that there's a slight delay in... in the... <laughs> talking, so this is going to be really weird. Oh, no. I, I don't know what's called... It's probably what's caused that is my, um, my new laptop that is terrible and also um, I have at the moment about 100 gig of different files um, uploading and downloading from the cloud because I'm in tech hell so it might be something to do what what I love what I love is we've created something we a situation that we never thought we'd you started off with a bad computer and the whole idea of like it can (laughs) only get better has been disproved year on year it, it, it's get, it's actually getting worse. This isn't. What's the law that like technology doubles in improvements every time? This is the <laughs> inverse of that. I can't remember what the law is, but this is like the inverse of it. Our technology gets worse the longer it goes on. You see, you know, you know when people say money can't buy you happiness. Well, money can avoid tech problems, <laughs> money, and so I, I think wow. in many ways it can buy you happiness because this last week i'd say of my five-day work 
working week of working in you know better commas and all that um in speech class i'd say three days solid has been spent just on sorting it oh god i hate you microsoft i hate you so much oh oh boy um i don't i, I never understand oh, what i just wow. don't understand why people use windows computers because it's like and people say, oh, you know, uh, you know, Apple you know, forces you to do things. But I'm like, if you've ever been on the end of a forced upgrade update by Microsoft, like it, it's literally the thing of dictatorships. Oh, my word. Yeah. And well, the, I mean, the reason is money, ultimately, because Apple costs more than um, everything Microsoft's ever done in one just for their worst iPhone. But, um, and also because Apple are evil people who will slow down your phones. Fact they've actually thankfully now come out of this so you have to buy the next model so um, basically everyone's evil it seems but um we're not how we're, are not, you we're, we're not evil running lights oh don't well, that's true don't, we're not evil no we're not evil we let's think we could come up with some sort of scam some sort of but, update we'd have to be very organized which i think is, is the main reason why why i don't think we we would be able to do that but we could I know it's like what we do is we get we basically at the running show we get people to buy um, uh, all these uh, what's it the t-shirts and then we release a new model of t-shirt uh, and vest the day afterwards um, that's, uh, that's that's a higher model. It's a good idea. I mean, I, I don't know how you can get a higher model than the current range. To be fair, but um, well, probably, one that, probably one that doesn't disintegrate after uh, two weeks. But talking about higher models, check oh. out this. Oh, go on. <laughs> well, I, what am I looking at? Can you see it? <laughs> what am I looking at? So, <laughs> so I thought JD was going to play along there. Because of my tech issues, I currently don't have a video display. <laughs> um, I managed to buy a laptop without a webcam, which I didn't realize was possible in this day and age. What? And I didn't think to check because it's like buying a car without a wheel. You just, you just wouldn't think it would happen. Well, you say but you want me to play along. I, I th- I, what you wanted me to just make something up? Oh my goodness, David! You, I didn't realise you could get a rash in that place. Well, well you can <laughs> if you rub hard enough. But um, I, I've been sent a mystery box, and I don't think there's what? anything as exciting in life as a mystery box, um, unless unless you're like someone involved in politics, where it could be seen as quite potentially life-threatening um, um i just like thankfully just, this I, isn't i just like to point out a mystery box isn't your neighbor's post um <laughs> you don't know what's in it that, that's not a mystery box it has to be addressed to you actually having said that how many days of a package being left in your house is it then acceptable to uh, adopt it as your own <laughs> so the postman said it's never it's, take- ne- it's not it's left <laughs> it's ne- it doesn't matter how long it's never but surely after 30 days, so that no. the postman left this. No, it's not. It's not <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> um, good, good. It was a good thing that I didn't open that <laughs> lovely package. Paul Smith. No, I didn't actually. I was a good boy. I was a good boy. But I was so tempted. I was like, it's got this, it got to about six weeks. And I was thinking, by now, finders keepers surely comes in. Did you do the thing where, where you tear the tear the corner of it because you think, well, what what could look like it got like damaged slightly in the in transit? So you try and like you pull the corner of it to try and get a peek in that way. Did you try doing that? I did. It was a, it was from Paul Smith, so I know it was going to be far better clothes than I've ever even dreamt of wearing, even if it was completely the wrong size and you know ladies fit. I'd still take it. I, 
You could fat but it's such a I think you can quite easily fit into a lady's fit. I don't I don't think there's any any danger that I don't if it was a dress or something, not not so sure, but I'll give it a go. But um I've been sent I I am now a member of the Strava Kudos crew. Is that his actual like, name? Is that his actual name? <laughs> yeah. Who came up with that? The SKC. Um, I'm guessing it's someone very senior in marketing in the States. Um, oh, that's terrible. It's what the cool cats do, you know? It's, that's terrible. Everyone wants to be in a crew these days, though, don't they? I th- I, you know, it's not the crew bit, it's the kudos bit. You don't say that you've got kudos. That's like saying, oh, I'm in the friendly popularity gang. Yeah, but kudos is is a Strava way, isn't it? It's the like, it's the, I can't remember what it is, an Instagram thumbs up equivalent. Oh, is but it? Um, oh, is it? Does that mean something on Strava then? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you do a great run, or yeah. even if your friend sees and thinks, wow, that is some kind of running there, my friend, they'll give you a kudos. Oh, and then you'll okay. okay. feel so, a lot better about your life. But I thought, I thought you were getting kicked off of Strava because of your spamming. We uh, probably shouldn't mention this right at this time because uh, <laughs> uh, I was kind of going to tell Kudos. I was kind of going to tell Strava about mentioning Strava on the podcast, so they get very excited. So uh, we have to hush up. <laughs> <laughs> of course, but, uh, I'm only joking. You've not spammed anyone. I must be thinking of another <laughs> David Hollard or something. But that, that other profile I had. Uh, it's not like I downloaded all of my Strava data just in case. Uh, um, <laughs> But they've sent me. They've sent me one a a sticker that has a thumbs up on, which is good. What will you I put think that on? the intention of this is I. Well, I, I assume I've got to stick it to a runner, who um, who I want to give to. <laughs> that's exactly. It's a logical conclusion. That's how that's how Facebook likes should work. <laughs> oh, if they, yeah, they, it would, they be should great. be physical. That, that absolutely. Or branding, like a, a branding iron. <laughs> well, I think that's how pokes begin, wasn't it? How what began? Pokes, is it? Because was it called oh, pokes yes. back yeah, in the works. day? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's actually it. I'll tell you. I think this was fa- founded in, in agriculture. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, if you're listening um, and you ever get your friend's computer or your friend's phone, don't do like don't do like a, a facebook update saying oh look at me i hate blah 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 what you should do you should either like a few photos from um your that person's ex-girlfriend or of their current girlfriend's best friends like bikini shots or you should start poking just some random people who are not connected to them because they're not gonna they're not gonna know you've done that but it's gonna cause some quite weird um interpretations of their relationship with other people so um wait well i've got to check i've got my phone on me now just in no, case no 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 what, uh, what you need to do you need to go back you need to go back through the uh, photo history of of someone um and like like a photo from like a really obscure photo from like three years ago or something that shows that you've been looking through their past history yeah yeah and maybe even just like a, a not a, a face with a single tear <laughs> almost as if <laughs> you're going through tough times and this this picture reminds you of good times something like that or, um, or, yeah, or, say, yeah just, or, or leave it a comment saying oh sorry I didn't mean to like this I, I was busy doing something and I accidentally hit like 
and then and then leave it to their imagination to to know what that means. Or or even better, put their name in um, and then in bikini shot <laughs> as if you're googling. <laughs> As if you're Googling their name in bikini shop, but you typed it in the wrong thing. That would be killer. Especially if it's your dad or someone like that. <laughs> that would really freak them out. Oh, what? On their, fa- on their, oh, do yeah. it on their main Facebook, uh, Facebook update. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so um, so what, what do you think Strava have sent me? Um, um, so they've, as... sent, they've sent you um, what? So they sent you a sticker, a single sticker yeah. for Kudos. What, what, does, what does Kudos yep. look like? Is that, is that a K or something? What is it? It's a thumbs up. It's a thumbs up. Okay. Hey. Um, so what else have they sent you? So they're about um, tracking um, and have they sent you a medal? <laughs> a medal. Oh, no. So they've given me a little pin badge with Kudos on as well. So I assume I've got to pin that. We wear, do you wear that on your somewhere. blazer at their annual, annual dinner? Yeah, that's quite a good idea. You've got to collect as many as you can. They've given me a lovely pair of socks, which I'm quite happy with. Um, but they've also given me, and I know as a runner, you've always wanted one of these, okay. a neck warmer. A neck warmer. That is absolutely essential. Yeah. I mean, how often do you go out and think, oh, man, my whole body is absolutely toasty. But my God, my arm's apple is about to drop off. Uh, isn't that just a buff? It is, but it's it's more restrictive in its design. Oh, is it? So um, somehow less useful than a buff. <laughs> I don't know how they. <laughs> Imagine you know when the, great, you great buff something has that has a million of, uses. None of, none of the versatility of uh, of a buff. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. They've managed to take a buff and restrict the way in which it can be used. Um, but it's still quite pleasant looking, actually. Um, I'm going to wear it to the running uh, the running. Sh- Show, oh, yeah. show, just to see how we react to it oh well we have, in fact we, we need what we need to do is we need to do a challenge at the running show and see who who can collect the most amount of stuff um with a promise to to wear it for at least an hour on the on, on one of the days yeah i like that um and i think i'm just going to go topless with my strava neck <laughs> i think there's a name for it They've given a name of, uh, I think there's a new company they're trying to launch it. Uh, Oh, okay. Um, But I can't, for the life of me, figure out what this is. It's something to do with a hair. um, I'll quickly read. A merino neck warmer from Tracksmith. Yeah. Yeah. Merino. Merino. Okay, there you go. So if your neck neck's sweating, um, because your neck sweats a huge amount, um, you know, that's, that's perfect. Also, oh, actually, oh, brilliant. I mean, I've, I was here mocking it, whereas now, oh, boy, it's just all multi-weather neck. Multi-weather? <laughs> what, in the summer? So, yeah, when you're hot, when you're cold. But why do you wear, terrain. But why would you wear neck warmer when you're hot? Because um, it would, um, you could put water on it, cool it down. <laughs> or you could just take the neck warmer off and cool down. <laughs> No, if you're in the desert, you pour some water on your neck. Oh, okay, right? okay. All right, no, that, make, that makes sense. That makes sense. But um, I've also got another gift in the post. Quite what, large what, from, one. From Strava or from someone else? No, that would, that, that's the end of my Strava gift. But I was actually quite pleased by that because um, I think anything you don't expect that's quite weird and wacky, 
well, it's quite hard to get something new that you can use as a runner that you haven't already got. Yeah. Which is why I think they went with the neck buff. I think next time we might get like a, I don't know, a calf buff could be their next move. Or, or a, a wrist warmer. You know, a wrist warmer, a finger ring. No, not a finger ring. That would. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, Running jewelry. But, there we are. That's something that you don't expect. Yeah. Do you want to send us running jewelry? We're, we're more than happy to take that. But um, I've also been sent these bad boys. Again, I can't see. I've just, re- I've just remembered. The people at home already know that you can't see. Don't <laughs> I've already told. Oh, damn it. <laughs> We're never very good at this. We need the camera come back. On, as soon look, as possible. Come on, come on. I want, I want, what I want you to do, I want you to do a, um, a distant voice um, audio description. David is holding up. Go on, that's what, you, that's what you need to do. David is, as in a, a kind of sexy Marks and Spencer style. No, no, you don't need to make, make it sexy. You don't need to make it sound like India Night. You just need to okay. just do it as a, as a typical radio. Jody is holding up. <laughs> David is holding up the world's lightest pair of snowshoes <laughs> made by. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Lightest pair of snowshoes. I didn't you find it that that funny? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. There's something really funny about the word snowshoes because I don't. It conjures up so many images. Well, for example. All of the pictures from when you were doing the snowshoeing championships. Oh, you, so you've already seen those, but we're, this is going out before we do the episode about it. So we're meant to be in pre-snowshoeing oh, build-up. Are we? Oh, in pre-snowshoeing build-up. Okay. Oh my goodness, that's good. How um, <laughs> is, is is lightness a benefit when snowshoeing? You see, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really know anything, but I think it. it for me, it's got to be the main thing because I hate running in anything heavy. Um, and f- favourite shoes have got to be the lightest or um, tra- they, track shoes. We've got. Are they? Are they zero, I can imagine they, they get. Are they zero drop? They are. They are zero drop. In fact, we've got to wear your shoes inside them. But have you heard of TSL before? TSL Outdoor. No. So it's. I find this mind blowing when you suddenly discover a company that is pretty big but you know nothing about so they make poles as well right would you know them from that no unless unless they're an umbrella company and they have lots of brands underneath them ah um i don't think they are sadly what are they called but um yeah they've sent tsl french company tsl outdoor so yeah they've sent me the best snowshoes in the world the lightest ones, the fastest ones. So now I've got to, um, you can wear them apparently on grass and practice them, practice right. with them. So I'm going to head out, see what I can do. Um, but yeah, they've also sent me polls and they've said, can you feature the polls in the podcast in some way? But I don't know how to do it because we haven't, I mean, I haven't got anywhere in London or even in the South that you'd use polls, surely. I mean, Lee Stuart Evans uses them just to, uh, just to go to the, the shops, but well, you do. Well, well, Can you think of any good use? Well, you, if you were, if you were basically doing a hundred miles over like South Downs Way or something, using poles would be a good idea. Do you, would the people at the front do it as well? Oh, like, do you think I would, even if I was running the whole thing? Mm, I don't know. Actually, probably not. 
No, no, probably because I, I quite because I quite like to train how to use them because I think they'd just be quite fun. Um, no, I but, head up, yeah, head up to uh, Lake District or something and do it up there. That's the that'd be the best place, won't it? And it's for up and down. Yeah. Okay. When you're okay. down, it's when you're going down at speed, isn't it? That's when that's when they're really valuable. And is that to reduce the impact or to help you turn? It's to it's to provide stability when you're going down and um, uh, uh, at speed. Really, really useful. Not it's a, it, the thing is <clears throat> over over a long distance. Um, mm. uh, it, it does it does make a, it does make a difference in terms of um, like lessening the um, lessening the lessening the effort that you need in order to hold yourself up but i i think the biggest value in them especially if you're doing like mountain running is is the stability mm. when, when you're going down but then i you know i'm not i'm not a front of the pack runner so um but when i when i think about like when i did transalpine um everybody had poles mm. uh, i mean that's over the alps but everyone had poles um from from the from the front to the to the back um it, it was essential and i think um a lot of people on the on the UTMB as well. I, th- I know, like Scott Jurek and everything had had poles on that as well. So, um, you know, it, I think serious serious uh, serious mountains and stuff. It, it makes total sense just for even if it even if it doesn't help you going up, but coming down, I think like the stability thing is really really important. And when you when you say stability, um, do you mean in case you fall over, yeah. or is it actually part of your case? Okay, it just it, it means you can take more risks. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you definitely can go down quicker, um, um, you know, because you're, you're, you know, you're put, kind of putting the poles in front of you. Um, and so, you know, it, you, you have a little bit of leeway in terms of, like, slipping or, 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 or something else. Um, but, um, but, yeah, going up. It, uh, the thing is, like, when we, I don't know, it, it kind of depends. Um, mm. It kind of depends. I, I can't see how where you're going to use them um, unless you go to somewhere where there's like decent mountains where, where's this company I mean, based the, uh, you got, well, you're, you're going to Chamonix at some point you, you're always in Chamonix aren't you yeah I think I'll be back and actually I think I'm going to sign up to uh, a um, multi-stage ultra in Mexico which I haven't looked at the terrain yet but I, th- I think it's far hillier than like the MDS um, and actually through there what's, what's the their region of hills where all the uh, all the famous runners run. I think it goes through their valleys and oh, yeah. and so yeah, I'd need to, I'd need to know how to use them for that um, and potentially use them out there. But interestingly enough, you're saying about the Lake District, but I know Nikki Spinks. She said even for when she's doing like the double Bob Graham round, she doesn't use them because maybe she'd have used it if she'd have raced when Killian did when everything dried out but because it's so boggy yeah you don't actually get any purchase back and they sink in because it's nearly all kind of marshy yeah wet soft um heather and thing and so you, you can't actually get enough push back yeah yeah that's it you'd from have, them. yeah you'd have to do you'd, yeah that's the thing when that when i think about it when you like when you're running downhill stuff unless you're getting pushed back then this it is kind of pointless or you know um, I've only ever I've only ever used them in dry environments. I've never used poles in in a in a in a wet environment. So um, mm. I don't know. But but some some people don't need poles for anything. Some um, yeah, like fucking Killian doesn't use poles for anything, does he? 
No, that's true. But I mean, I don't think we'll ever be in a position where we've run so many hills that our legs are strong enough to not need them for certain races. Um, well, but, to be fair, yeah, well, they've got a, they've got they've got their poles mentioned. Yeah, they have actually. That's yeah, true. Um, but I think at some tick. point, I'd love to go and we've got Damien Hall on in a couple of weeks' time, and so we can talk to him about what he did for UTMB because he, I mean, he really improved year on year. Came I think fourth, was it last year? So um, yeah, we can get his views on. Oh, but poles are, if poles are them. annoying. If you can get if you can get away with not using poles, I, I would. I find them really annoying. They're pain, they're, they're a pain in the ass. They're just like an extra thing to carry. I, I took um, I took them to the NPS mm. and I didn't use them, and it was just like a waste of a waste of uh, a waste of time. I ended up just carrying some poles for for like, I you know I because I I did kind of like train with them. Probably didn't train as much as possible, but um, I, I found them really mm. annoying. And uh, the only reason I needed them on the um, uh, on the Transalpine was because yeah, you were going up a bloody um, uh, downhill slalom. Uh, what's it called like oh, wow. so you're like well it's, but, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's a very clear very clear benefit of using them in that situation mm. um but a lot of the time mm. you just a lot of the time you hold it if you're doing any sort of like running on like you know relatively flat stuff you're just holding a pair of bloody um poles I, I i think they're really annoying if you can if you can get away with not with running without them um i would uh, i wouldn't actively try and use poles i'm not lse is going to find that sacrilegious um, <laughs> so you, you end up getting things like blisters on your hands. You're like, oh, do I really need blisters on my hands as well as blisters on, on my feet as well? <laughs> it's like you're adding the amount of injury. I know what I'll do. I'll I'll put some sandpaper in my uh, pants as well in order to add the opportunity for for injuries here and uh, and niggling painful stuff. I, d- I, d- I know that you know people people like use poles for all sorts of things, but I find I I do find them annoying. I'm, sorry, that's slightly going against the benefit of uh, of uh, this pole company now. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm, provi- it, I'm providing both the, uh, the the like devil's advocate <laughs> and the uh, the pushback and also the promotion at the same time. The thing is, I think people know when they need polls. You know what what type of events, and um, there's it's, it's not often you have to make a choice. You either clearly need them or you don't. I think so. Um, I think I think yeah. it's worth I think it's worth learning so you you can tell the difference and do it in the right environment. Like like you said, if Nikki Springs is saying about. Um, doing it in a boggy environment doesn't make a difference um i think you know then then I, I think it'd be worth just testing to see what what how that did and if you've got something with a lot of hills on that that would make a difference but i think it's definitely worth i mean it's, it's a difficult thing to go oh yeah try try running 100 miles with poles and try running 100 miles without poles and see what, <laughs> see what the difference is because there's, there's so many other factors but just try i would i would give it a bash um to to see if yeah. you think there's any different because i've the first few times I used it, I was thinking, oh, this doesn't make any difference at all. Um, and then I started mm. using them for, for walking, and I found that actually when I was walking, they did make a difference. Um, like, I went walking in Sodonia, and they, they made a massive difference. I, I found, like, I could summit quicker. Um, and, uh, but then mm-hmm. when it came back to running again, the only time I've really used poles as... It, it's basically when I get like really like knackered um, at the end of like a hundred mile or stuff. And so, you know, and it was just a case of kind of um, using it as a more using it as a tool, like a momentum tool to just keep you sort of like plodding forward. Um, so you're kind of using your arms a little bit to, to, to generate some, some momentum forward um, rather than using them for 
how you you know you would normally use poles when you're trying to trying to get up a hill or a mountain. But yeah, I can you them. leave them at aid stations for in hundred miles and things? Uh, like, can you leave them to pick up? Oh, I don't know actually. No, no, I don't imagine you can. Imagine like, if you take if you take poles, you've got to leave. You, well, I imagine you can leave them at um, where you, where your your drop bags are. But um, I don't know. Yeah. I suppose, if you've got a support crew, you can give it to them. I suppose. Um, but with say something like the autumn, um, is it the autumn way one hundred? Where you do yeah. the loop? Yeah. Yeah, you could you could just leave them in the centre, yeah, and then yeah. when, imagine, when imagine you get to fine. your kind, yeah. of, kind of eighty miles in, you just whip them out. Yeah, I think that's. I, I, I do actually think people do that. I think yeah, like uh, using them for the last, you know, the last bit as well. Um, especially when it's dark as well. I mean, it's quite useful. Like if it's dark and it's you're running on trail or something, and having having that extra stability there is quite useful um, in that situation mm. in the darkness. Um, that that can be quite good. But yeah, I mean, if you, yeah. if you can get away with not using poles, I I, I personally. I personally find them really annoying and like a sort of an, um, uh, a necessary, not necessarily evil, just a necessary inconvenience. Cause I just think they just, hmm. just it's something else to have to think about. And yeah. Are these fold up ones or are they um, fixed? Yeah. Foldies. Really? I'm going to say they're the best in the world. I have no idea, but I think they're probably the best in the world. <laughs> best in the world from the company we've <laughs> never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> but in france they're huge they're huge but wait a minute wait a minute so they they sell snowshoes and uh trekking poles yeah 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 but surely trekking Which poles does make in sense. a snowshoe situation well, why do you need poles for that you don't need it i don't think for snow racing but if you're going out into long treks then it's exactly the same as if you're doing long hikes, I think it helps in the same way, up doesn't, hills. And... Doesn't, the, doesn't the pole slip right down into the snow, though? Because with snowshoes, aren't you start, you're, you're, the whole point of that is you're on the surface of the snow. So if you put a pole down, surely that'll break through the snow and go for That's down, a good question. basically fall forward. Actually, ooh. Um, or unless you well, have, have the poles to... really, really long. <laughs> so that they're... Well, I've got the poles next door, so I don't know whether... I think this is quite an important thing for you to find out before you um, theoretically go and do some uh, snowshoe racing as to how, how that situation works. I don't want you to be falling over straight away if you're using poles with the... With the Unless they're such long poles that they, they, go, they go into the ice, but then... Oh, you're running on ice? They finally hit the bottom. They go into the snow and, oh, and right, hit okay. the bottom. Because that's what I was In fact, the poles do seem to be, yeah, they do seem to just be normal poles. Um, they don't seem to have a, a spread out base. Which, yeah, was, that's interesting. Because you see that, people, you see people like when they're running on like ice on on uh, like ice um, uh, like lakes and stuff. Like we saw like yeah, like do and stuff mm. running on the lake and everything. And they were have poles, but you thought, well, won't those poles be like really? I suppose if you've got a, like a, a sharpened end on it, it might that might be that might be valuable. <laughs> Actually, they do have some of them at the bottom, it looks like. And I haven't checked mine because it's, it's next door. It does fan out slightly at the bottom. It's, it reminds me of a, a chair my dad used to have where you'd fold it up and then you could lean against it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Similar to that. If, that, if you can picture 
my dad's chair. <laughs> I can picture your dad's chair perfectly from that description. I can picture your dad <laughs> leaning into that chair as well. Oh, he's loving it. He's loving that. <laughs> I think your dad, do you know what? I think your dad's requested a, a vest. Has he? A BBR oh, vest. I'm sure, I'm sure on, on the merchandise thread I, I'd said, oh, who, who, hypothetically, we did another run, who'd want a vest? And I think he said he wants a vest or something. I could have gotten that for Christmas. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, how was your Christmas? Oh, it was very nice. Thank you very much. Very nice. Um, of course, I was ill, but then I think everyone was ill, weren't they? Being ill is now part of part and parcel of, of Christmas when you when you have children, especially yeah. because you're exposed to every single illness that they have over that that period of time. But it was a festive illness. How about yours? Yeah, exactly the same. Well, in fact, wasn't ill until um, after New Year, just because. Um, oh God, it, I, I think this year especially. Because of the way the weekends were staggered, there was no, it was unrelenting, and it was just night after night after night. And so by the end of New Year, we'd had th- three monster nights. And if you're trying to train as well, this is what I haven't managed to achieve yet in the last three years, is how to have full-on fun and train and not get ill. <laughs> so I've, only, I've bought Barack now, and that's hopefully helping. But, um, yeah, I, just sick as a dog, sadly. Um for a, for a few days but general body being worn down i think rather than actually catching anything like the flu or anything that bad oh, really? um, but christmas and new year fantastic love it oh great do it all year <clears throat> yeah absolutely but um have you have you uh, much happened running wise um doctor's orders to not do any exercise oh how long for well uh, not yet. um while I was on antibiotics, so um, I went into my third course of antibiotics. I've gone through the full cycle of antibiotics now. Um, and, and, then, and then I got a sore throat. Um, so I got another infection as a result of it, which um, now that we're recording, when we're recording, I, it's coming close to clearing up. I actually, I've had a lack of hearing for so long. I need to go and see an audiologist to um, make sure that uh, it's not permanent um, hearing loss. Which uh, I, I I don't know. Since turning forty, I feel like everything's gone downhill very very quickly. <laughs> plus, plus with the, the limbs. Before before we were talking about um, not remembering what we did on the last podcast and stuff like that, I do feel like I've got right memory loss as well. I feel like everything has gone wrong. Like I, I genuinely, um, and I've become one of those people that goes to the doctor and like you know you know you go to the doctor so much that you kind of know them now. And then you start talking to me in a way that people who um, uh, are familiar with being in the doctor's talk. So you start like telling them the symptoms and everything in the order in which they're going to ask for it. You know exactly what to, you know, exactly <laughs> the next questions you're going to talk about, you know, uh, you know, I've been having these side effects, but I've looked in the instructions and it says I've got side effects, this, this and this. And you, know, and you start speaking to me in a way, you know, like how policemen st- uh, you know, talk in a very specific way. I turned into one of those people who goes regularly to the doctors, who, who understands their language and can speak to them in language. It shortcuts everything. Like going, you know, I think the next so you've learned you've learned the script so that you can get at the drugs. <laughs> I do. That's it. That's it. I've become. I could probably prescribe stuff now. Um, <laughs> the, last, the last. The weird thing was the last. Um, uh, the last antibiotic I went on was uh, uh, doxycycline, which uh, which was more powerful than the than the other two I was on. The first one I didn't didn't work at all. So I went on the um, uh, and it, my, I got actually an infection in both ears, and. Uh, 
and so I went on another one and then went on this like dog song and stuff. And this is one of those ones that has, it, it literally cures everything or so it claims. Like, so you were healed by cycling. It was cycling, yeah, doxycycling though, which is, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it cures everything. I, I was lo- looking at the, the thing and it's got like a million side effects, all antibiotics do, but it, it also, it's an anti-malarial drug uh, and it also helps cure acne. I was thinking, how could, how could one drug do so many things <laughs> that are so diverse? It was just bizarre. Yeah. I mean, that has got to be a dream for some African teenager. <laughs> just all of them in one. <laughs> it was really funny because we, um, we went on a uh, – there's a place in Kent called Port Limney. And uh, it was uh, we stayed over mm. there, and I didn't have we didn't have a chance to, to get away before Christmas. So after Christmas, we booked a, a night at this safari park. It's like a safari park that you stay at, and they, it's amazing. They give you um, uh, golf buggies to drive around in. Um, it, it's really really good. Um, but our friends basically they know you know knew that we were going like to this like safari thing, and then they they walked into the kitchen. They saw that I've got these anti malarial drugs on. Uh, on like uh, just sitting in the kitchen <laughs> and they're going uh, yeah you're taking it a bit seriously aren't you i was like oh <laughs> i mean the lion might have smuggled in some mosquitoes <laughs> in his beard or something you never know i know i know but yeah so i've, I've done that and then i've now i'm uh, i'm off that and with it because i've got a sore throat have you have you ever had an ulcer in the back of your throat yes not for a long time but it's horrible uh, i didn't but i didn't realize ulcers could burst i thought they just went away nicely like you know like they do when they're on your lip or 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 something and this ulcer burst and honestly i thought i thought someone had like shot me in the throat it was so painful and so i went (laughs) i call 111 a lot now um, because, uh, again, they kind of know me. They, they have, like, a really good, like, customer relationship management program there. They basically go, oh, welcome back, Mr. Rainsford. Um, what is it? What is it this week? Uh, and uh, so I went, went to, like, the doctor and stuff like that, and he, he took a photo of this. Uh, he insisted on taking a photo of the back of my throat for me to then show to That's the doctor. That's never a good sign, is it? That's never a good sign. Uh, he got very, Libby didn't want to see it at all. Um, she wasn't very interested, which I was slightly disappointed with. Um, but now um, I've got, I've got like all these like issues and stuff like that. Now I'm taking like mouthwash and I'm taking, uh, I've got to take, um, uh, oh, a Beconase, the hay fever like spray for like 30 days, twice a day for 30 days. Which I don't know what what sort of like it's fucked a, fucked up did world. Did you think what our new listeners are thinking of this podcast? <laughs> this is a. Uh... <laughs> Just listing every medicine over oh, the again, sun. I've become, I've become someone's like mother-in-law, haven't I? I was like, oh, I've got this oh, other God, thing yeah. on my arm and my hip and, and everything else. This is very boring. I do apologise. But this has li- literally <laughs> dom- dominated my life for the last, like, month of just having a... St- I, I, this doesn't really work when, you're, when you're, we're not having an ill off. You're supposed to go, oh, you think that's bad, but I had to go to the doctor with gout, and then I had this, and then I'm supposed no, to I mean, go, oh, gout? Oh, you want to talk about gout? I had to have my legs sawed off. I think that the only time I had ulcers in my mouth was from trying to hold a flaming Sambuca for too long at uni. <laughs> so it's not, it's not quite in the same league of, um, I wouldn't say. 
Oh no, I should tell people that's no, it. Yeah, what? that's why. That's why. That's why I got it. Too many flaming sambucas over Christmas. You know, showing the kids <laughs> how it's done. So, that's it. So give so, it a key down. So yeah. So uh, so generally, um, uh, yeah. So uh, now I'm taking hay fever uh, medication for for some bizarre reason uh, that I I can't fathom. So so yeah. So brilliant. So where does this leave us with our bet then and our challenge? Well, I, I, what have I got? I've literally got three weeks to uh, basically um, uh, perform a miracle. Otherwise, I'm um, I'm looking down the barrel of a uh, a tattoo. So, and how, what would you say if you were to go out now and run a five k? You'd be capable of. Uh, oh, I'm, I, I'm, I I thought when I started this, I thought because Libby was just like, "You're not getting a fucking tattoo," and I'm like, "Oh no, no, no! Don't worry." I've got three months. <laughs> I've got three months. This is going to be fine. There's no way I'm going to get a tattoo. She's like, if you get a tattoo, I'm going to fucking divorce you. I'm like, well, you did say that when, <laughs> like, when, we went be- when I went vegan. She goes, but this time, seriously, you are not getting a tattoo. I'm like, but don't worry. There is no way I can fail this because I've got three months to do it. Three months is more. So more she than equates enough. getting a tattoo as being as bad as a vegan? Well, no, she's let me be vegan. So this, this is worse. This is worse. Um, this, the, like, me getting a tattoo literally be the, like, I, I can't think of, uh, I can, actually, I can think of a couple of things that are worse than that. But this would be pretty bad. Uh, and so, and she was What like, have you got a tattoo that just said sorry? <laughs> <laughs> that would She'd be, be in such mixed emotions. It would be, it would be. So, um, so yeah, so I mean, I, and so, and then what happened? So, um, listen, this is really dull for you. If you, if you don't listen to another podcast, go and listen to, to, to one about like Dean Canazes or something like that. Um, but essentially, um, no, 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 we've got a good guest coming up, but just, just to bring the new listener up to speed, basically Jody had a bet. If he didn't go sub 21 with, um, within 22, three 22, months, he had 22. to get an Ironman, sub 22, he had to get an Ironman tattoo on his calf. If he went sub 20, if you were, sub 22 i had to run a marathon with peanut bat but all down the back of my legs as if i'd shut myself uh, and then i think if there's some other spicy nuggets in there as well to do with um having to one of us having to do an iron man or yeah i can't actually remember the term Just, I, 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 I stopped remembering as soon as i realized i wasn't gonna need to know the the, the finer details past the 22 minute barrier but um yeah, so, yeah, uh, I mean, so, what, what would so you, if you were to go out now, what would you say you think you could run 5K in? Uh, I don't know. I was, because I, I had that period where I basically, I hurt my back for <laughs> six weeks, didn't I? And I couldn't run. And then, and then I got ill straight away. Uh, but it, like literally for about a week and a half in between that, I was doing really well. I was doing really well. <laughs> I think, I don't know. We could base it on that. If we based it on that week and a half when I've actually been able to run in the last, like, two, two and a bit months, um, and we, we, we project that, the, the, the progress I made in that by about a week and a half when I, when I was running again, I predict that I would have easily beaten the 22-minute uh, thing. So I think you should accept that. I mean, it's not down to me. It's... Uh, it's, it's the listeners it's not down to the listener were. in any way none of this is down to the listener <laughs> mainly because the listeners have no idea because they're not even listening to the bloody podcast right? you, people go what's the terms of this again well, what's the terms of your bet I don't really know I'm like well, how do you not know oh, I don't really listen to the podcast to be honest no one really listens to it just tell us what the, what the terms are so, um, so okay well go on 
So yeah, well, I mean, I've got, I've, how do you feel? What, what, what are you proposing? Okay, I've got, I've got a proposal here because the whole point of doing this was that, um, one, it was to punish me uh, in some way, but two, it was supposed to be quite interesting to follow along to it, wasn't it? That was, that was the thing. Um, and it hasn't been interesting yeah. to follow along because it's, it's been rubbish. I so. mean, this last half hour has been... <laughs> I mean, it's, that. it's been mind-numbing, <laughs> hasn't it? I, I'll even, I'm going to listen back to this <laughs> and go, why did we even talk about all this? Uh, so, so this is my proposal, um, which I didn't realise... Actually, it's been quite useful because I didn't realise um, how scary getting a tattoo actually was. It's, I've actually been worried about it. Um, uh, despite Libby saying that a, a divorce is on the cards, um, but uh, so I've actually been quite worried about. It. So it's actually made me think. Okay, this is this is this is quite good. This is quite motivating. Um, but um, this is my proposal. Okay, we switch it around. That I get an extension till end of Feb. Yeah, which gives me essentially six weeks. Okay, um, to try and go sub twenty two. If I and all of this makes it harder for me, so because I, 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 you know, I, I shouldn't be let off. If I don't go sub twenty two, then I have to do an Ironman, and then I've got okay till the end of the year to go sub twenty, and then I got to get a tattoo if I don't do that. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's and that's, that's um, stricter I mean, terms than before. I say. I say. Let's leave it to listeners to uh, to give their feedback. So, listeners, what do you think? Is that is that fair terms? And, and am I involved in this bet in any way? Or is it purely pain for you? Oh no, no, it's pure. It's pain for you still. All that. All the same stuff applies. Okay. So, um, if you do go sub twenty two, I do the marathon with the. Uh, painted backside as such and um, if you go sub 20 if I go sub 20 then um, you you do the Iron Man instead I do now because we can't because (laughs) because um, you have to you have to plan ahead for the Iron Man don't you you can't in terms of like booking it I don't really know about the Iron Man situation but me getting a tattoo is more pain than me getting a me doing an Ironman. It would be awful to do an Ironman simply because of the amount of time. In fact, it would be better to get a tattoo because it would just be like it's not it's not the pain thing. It's it's the it's the collapse of my marriage that really is that there's going to be the painful element to that. Um, but um, I mean, it would, it would free up a lot more time for training for an Ironman. Uh, how do you mean? <laughs> if you did get divorced <laughs> I mean the best the best triathletes uh, men in their yeah, 40s I know actually actually, I should put that to Libby Libby gets to decide actually because you're right actually what is worse is that you're right because from what, I've, from what <laughs> I understand actually training for an Ironman is, is kind of like a full time job isn't it because you've got to you've got to become I've, if, I, if I did Ironman I've got to basically learn two disciplines because I'm no, I, I can't really ride a bike very well, and I, I can barely. I, well, I can't swim front crawl at all. Um, I don't. I don't really know how to do it because I wasn't there for the lesson at school when when they taught us that. So I don't. So I'd have to completely. Learn, yeah. Which means that's a massive thing. In fact, Libby should decide what the punishment is. She should decide what the. Well, I, I mean, I think she can chip in, but ultimately, 
I believe that the listener has to be the decider on this. Well, okay. I, uh, okay. Well, we're, listeners, what do you think? Let us know. Sub-22, sub-21, sub-20. What should the terms be? What should the bet be? Uh, and, um, I mean, you're in a pretty bad situation right now, JD. I think whatever they say, you're almost going to have to accept their terms. Um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, um, cracking on, cracking on. Um, I, I've got some cheat news for you. Oh, okay. some interesting cheat news. Okay. So I think a lot of the do badders they've probably seen that there was a, a another race in China where um, a huge number of the runners cut across the course. Yep. So Tim Faulkner shared really interesting article on the BBC, in fact, about how traffic camera caught lots of cheating yeah now the interesting thing is not that all these cheats happened and actually i, th- I think it's probably going to happen in china more than other countries because running so new yeah over there um i think people cheat when they get out of their depth pretty much that's the main driver you know, that's why you see it in london because you have all these celebrities or people who haven't trained who have to do a marathon and so they're almost forced into a decision of do i fail or do I cheat? Um, but they've now got the interesting thing about the the article. They've now got face recognition software. What? That they can use. Yes. Oh wow! So last year, organisers of the Beijing Half Marathon introduced a facial recognition system to stop runners using ringers to run on their behalf. I don't know if that's just going to be China, or, or is that going to come over here? Wow. I mean, that's one way to stop cheating. You get four of those instead of timing mats. Yeah. You can't really argue with it. No, no, you can't. That's pretty good. How would you so yeah. how would so how would you so how how would that work? Like when you're at the expo, they take a photo of you or something or Well, the, China have got their ID system where I mean it's 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 a dystopian future currently where they It's a dystopian future currently. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just the, this the nightmare Charlie Brooker Black Mirror. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. In China, so they have good citizenship scores. I, I can't remember if it's a card, but at the moment in China, you, you can be stopped from buying houses, from trans, from travelling on trains, actually having huge, huge impingements on your freedom because yeah. you're not seen as a good citizen. So I, I think in China, everyone already has an ID card that probably has a fingerprint and their photo. And so all they have to do is link that up to a camera and that's it. They've suddenly got every single runner out there and seeing who's who. Um, they probably don't even need to get people to register at the marathon. I imagine it won't work for foreigners unless you give your permission, which why would you? Um, but be interesting to see if that happens over here because someone like Boston Marathon – there's such a powerful race that in the States people are so desperate to get into. Um, if they suddenly say you can only do it if you're in a race where people agree to do this, people might go for it. Yeah. Yeah. But just, you could quite easily do it. Well, like it's part of the, as part of the expo thing where you go and register at the, Oh no, I suppose anyone has an expo, do they? That's the thing. But with those big races where it is important, they, they do have expos, don't they? Where you go and get the registration and you just do it then. Yeah, and you for 
London, you have to take a passport or some kind of photo ID yeah. to pick up your number anyway. Yeah, but is it, it just for me? It's I think it's such a, a big hammer to crack such a tiny nut. I, I just don't think Including it matters. Even if you take DNA, DNA samples, uh, you know, <laughs> family history, uh, you know, past history of cheating in the family. The it'd be interesting to see how it changes the behaviour of of runners and um, you know if people do do still cheat not re- realising because it could just stop all cheating which I guess isn't a, a bad thing but I do like the freedom to sometimes be able to rock up and just run under someone else's number or vice versa yeah. to, you know not cause a fuss but because it's just quite it's, it's it's convenient and you don't have to then spend a huge amount of money to get things. Ch- changed and but i realized for the races that's not what they want yeah um I don't know. so what's the space do bad is what do you think, think do bad do you think it's a good thing it's weird isn't it because you do you're absolutely right you want race you want running to just be relaxed as it used you know as it should be i mean it, you know you get your race number and you run and everything like that but it, i mean it's quite as as it's become as mass participate participation it has then you've got like like massive amounts of cheating going on um and kind of people are getting away with it and i just i i think it's i think it's a really tricky one to be able to balance that in a way that is both equitable to the people who don't want to make sure that you know cheaters aren't ahead of them or or, or you know causing them to miss out on places for for specific reasons but also try and keep mm. it keep it you know that there is a semblance of fairness that's the problem isn't it you know you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to legislate for fairness um it should kind of be but it's but, kind I mean, of it's, part it's, of the sport it is so unfair already if you're a fast runner you can run london that's unfair i could run any major in the world just because i'm quick enough that's not fair but unfortunately that's just how life is i could run boston yeah, no, no. I mean, no, 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 no. But I mean, like, yeah. But you're, that's right. But that, but it's a race essentially. So it would, it does make, it does make sense for you to do that. But I'm talking about fairness in the sense that um, um, people shortcutting that. They're, they're, you're using what is your natural ability and or your ability that you've developed through persistent training. That's fairness. You're yeah, not saying, I guess, yeah. Well, people are cheating. Well, that's life. You could, you can use, you can take that analogy and apply that to anything well you know someone's going to take a shortcut they should they should be rewarded doubly because they they didn't do the training and they still managed to come third um it's the thing is it's supposed to it's supposed to allow a race is supposed to i don't know i'm just making this up on the spot let's see if this actually makes sense a race should allow (laughs) people's um uh the culmination of people's training and natural ability to uh, put itself on show without the worry about individuals who are seeking to take shortcuts. So through either cheating or um, uh, drug use or, or anything else. And so how, how do you do that? I don't know. I, I don't know. As a, as a faster runner, if you were, if you were racing something seriously, It, the majority of cheats are, are, are people that are new to the sport, aren't they? Is that is that is that a general is that a generalisation that, that is broadly true? I don't know actually, because a lot of the high profile ones, because the high profile ones either tend to 
to be celebrities who probably are new to it yeah um or it's people who are actually cheating to to succeed you know to get podiums and so they obviously cheating for a very different reason but they would have they'd have to be established runners to actually get near to that level you're talking about two types yeah you're, there's two types of cheating there's cheating for people who just uh, like you say have who want to finish and get the medal and then never going to run again um mm. you know they're new to it and then there's there's more uh contrived cheating which is to i don't know how do you how do you legislate against that yeah, and I actually, I quite enjoy stories of cheating. To me, if <laughs> people stop cheating, I just find it quite entertaining. I find it quite funny. I don't know. And I think the... you, well, I don't know, but would you, if you were, it depends if it impacts. I mean, if someone cheated and say, you know, help, you know caused Jonathan Alvin to miss out on, on something that's his livelihood, I, I don't think you'd be as happy to hear that yeah story absolutely and i, I think che- cheating where it negatively impacts on others yeah absolutely but, but sure, but not sh- but surely that all cheating impacts negatively on others no i wouldn't say so i mean if if someone is injured and doesn't is, isn't going to finish the london marathon and they've raised loads of money for charity and they feel huge pressure to be able to finish and they you know they've stopped and actually they cut off four miles and they end up finishing it and get a medal i don't think that impacts on anyone else um but also to a certain extent it's all about how much it impacts because you know when you when you get a freebie from you know when stealing's wrong obviously but then if it's if it's not hurting anyone what's wrong you're like so i'm trying to think of a good example but if if, um so for if you could if there were some freebies and it's like take take a freebie if it's someone's personal business you take one but you wouldn't take more than that because you think oh this person's paid for these freebies and they're trying to get return on their marketing whereas if it's a big company like coca-cola you'd be piling in the freebies into your bag thinking well it's coca-cola who cares what's this called this is is this this, you're talking about situational ethics here yeah absolutely (laughs) situational (laughs) ethics yeah i'm not and Actually, I, you're, they, that, I they're, they're kind the, of your, they're kind of, it's kind of your middle name, situational ethics. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, I was going to give the five quid back, but I was already on the tube and I was already heading towards it. Oh, yeah. So uh, I think the, yeah, there, there is a certain argument that if someone qualifies for a good for age place or for Boston illegally, yeah, that's that's not fair because it is stopping someone else from getting that place. Um, but but a lot of the people who are being called out as cheats, they're people who've just finished the race and they wouldn't have finished the race. And I don't think anyone cares so much of their 16,007th or 16,008th. I don't think that actually is but what, but there, such but, but a... Some people, some people like, I, I, it doesn't matter so much to me, but it matters to a lot of people. It's like getting that medal at the end. Um, uh, and there's a lot of people that matters, but especially if it, you've done it. And I, I think people are aggrieved when people get medals for things that they didn't earn, that they've had to earn and someone else didn't. Um, and I, th- I think that's kind of what's behind it. Well, then they're doing it for the wrong reason. Because they, if you have to, if you're doing something so that you can look down on others, 
and you need to push people down to raise yourself up, which is that situation, then I think you're doing it for the wrong reason. Is that, if you is can that, just be that happy. situation? I'm not sure that is that situation. I yeah. think, uh, if, you, if you're happy with your own achievements, if you, so if you, do that, if you do a marathon, you, you set a goal and you hit it, I don't think someone cheating takes away from your, your achievement. If anything, it reinforces how I think, hard it is and how well you've done. I think we need to speak to John Melbourne on this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think if, I, the... if, if, if I found out that someone has, you know, has, has not done a sub-form marathon and they actually claimed it, um, if, they were out, if they were out telling people about, about it and shouting about it and showing off and pretending they're the big, the big all, then yeah, that's, that's, I think, the wrong thing to do. But if someone has done it for understandable reasons and just very quietly been like, uh, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't face up to the fact I wasn't going to finish or I couldn't face up to the pressure that I put myself under, so I kind of did this and now I want it to go away, I think that's quite understandable and I, I don't think that that's a crime in any way. How often does that happen, though, people admitting that they're cheating? Well, I think it's... It's becoming more and more common that people are getting called out because of the marathon investigator. Yeah. But I, because I th- he, I think he also now has a quite fine line in what he, what he calls out because he's started to realize that if he publishes that someone's cheated, that could be a life changing bit of, uh, of news him reporting because nearly everyone that happens to, their social media account will all shut down. You know, they're going to be known around the world potentially. Yeah. Um, so I, I, he, if you read his, uh, his latest one, if, if, if he feels that the people have used their cheating to um, gain financially or to gain benefit from, or to, to, you know, put themselves above others, that's when he'd be like, well, you're, you're putting yourself in the firing line. And, and he's, he's, I think changed, his view slightly that if someone happens to have cheated and you know they are not crowing about it they for whatever reason they just couldn't face up to the fact that they had, they were going to fail um he's not going to call them out on it because if they apply for boston with a time that's false he will but right okay if they don't if it's their own personal failure and their own personal cheat their own personal lie he'll let them live with that lie without having you know shaming with them, shaming them for it which i think is the right thing to do okay okay we, we were talking about that in the past weren't we the, the, actually the extent to which he was doing that was almost going overboard in the, the people he was calling out like you know you were looking at the pictures of some of the people you were like okay they, those people clearly uh, could were, were struggling to finish or something like that so that's really interesting to know that he has that that has changed yeah, and it's the whole the whole John Ronson book about how the, You've the been power shamed. of the internet now. You've been shamed. That's a great book. Unbelievable, and 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 that's the that's the trouble with having so much freedom of of information is that if someone is shamed, the whole world can shame them. Whereas previously, it would just be the the blokes down the pub. I, I honestly, one of my recurring nightmares is that that happens to us. I honestly think at yeah. some point that's going to happen. Something taken out of context, published, and we'll then... Or taken in context. <laughs> <laughs> that would be even worse. We're like, oh, wow, we're terrible people. Yeah. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, how to go on seg but, on to, seg from cheating into Well, actually, I mean what what if, what is great about this next guest is that you've been talking about your struggle with the five K and um I think a lot of marathon cheats, a lot of half marathon cheats are because they can't they just can't keep going. They face up to um the fact they're not gonna be able to finish. Now our next guest had to once an hour go out and run just over four miles. That's all she had to do. But she had to do that as many times as possible. So uh it's incredible what she's achieved. We often ask you to suggest people you'd like to get on the podcast. And following the back Backyard Ultra. Um, Courtney had some unbelievable um, performance running miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles over two days. And we just had to get her on. So um, if you don't know Courtney Dewalter, her background is, um, well, she's got the, the record for the longest run in 24 hours, or she, she did until recently. She's won 100K, 100-mile races outright. Um, and... She recently only just lost out on the, the qualifier for Barkley Marathons. So uh, we're going to talk to her about that, see if it's still grating on her. So welcome to the podcast, Courtney. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. It's, it's cool How to you meet doing? you guys. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, yeah we're good. We're good. Have you, um, yeah, have, you, have you recovered yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I took off um, a good amount of time in December and now... In January here, I've been just trying to build back up uh, some good base miles. I mean, we we were following you live as the um, as the laps ticked by. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't the most exciting online race to, to to kind of to see the updates for once an hour, but oh my god, that went to the wire! Oh, it was crazy. It's such a cool format. I mean, y- you guys should try one or or set one set one up for yourselves to do in your own backyard, but it's really cool. So um, for, for people that, that don't know um, about the is, it the, is it the Big or the Bigs Backyard Ultra? Um, so his dog's name is Big. So I'm, <laughs> I think it's Big's Backyard Ultra because it's named after the dog, but I'm not sure. I've heard it said both ways. And, and for the, the people at home who don't know what the format is, take us through it yeah so it's a last person standing event um, which means there's no finish line distance wise or time wise you just keep going until only one person is willing to keep going Um, so it's a four mile loop and you have to complete the four mile loop in one hour or less any time that you have under an hour you can eat or sit or change clothes or go to the bathroom. Um, but then when that hour time frame is up, everyone starts the next lap again together. So oh, okay. it's, I- a, it's a weird time warp where, I mean, the race director who's um, Laz, the same race director as the Barkley, um, he blows a whistle with three minutes remaining until you have to start your next lap. And he blows another whistle with two minutes remaining. He blows a one-minute whistle. And then when you have to go, he rings this cowbell. And so over the course of the days, it 
like you become not even a person anymore. <laughs> You're just responding to these whistles and this cowbell, like like on autopilot almost. <laughs> just like Pavlov's Pavlov. Exactly dog, like that. On a, yeah. A scale. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh. And it's and these, so this, these four miles, I mean, yeah, because four miles, knowing lads, I, mean, I assume they're not just a, a flat uh, road four miles. I mean, how, how tough are they? So during the daytime, it's a different four miles than uh, during the night. The daytime is a trail loop that I think has about 400 feet of climbing over the course of four miles. Um, but pretty technical, like rocks and roots and and trees everywhere, and the trail kind of winds around. So the um, daytime loop isn't mindless at all. You have to kind of pay attention. And then the nighttime, it switches to an out and back on the road by his house. So then it becomes very mindless and um, pretty flat. <laughs> but his whole goal is so- to make people keep going so he didn't want a really easy or he didn't want a really difficult loop because that Um, would make people stop too soon he wanted people to be able to finish these four miles in one hour pretty easily so that that factor was taken out so say you were to do one loop as fast as you could how fast do you reckon you'd be able to bang it off um one of the trail loops, I, I think I was averaging and like without too much effort, maybe a 45 minute loop. And that was not pushing very hard. So mm. you could go under 40 um, for sure on the trail loop. <clears throat> but then you just had to sit there and wait. So usually it was like trying to be really patient with the loops and not go quickly because. Um, there was no purpose of hurrying back. You just then would sit and get cold and um, have to, you know, get your muscles moving again after however many minutes of waiting. So there was that there was a benefit to actually staying moving for as long as possible. I think so. I don't know. There were some people were doing a quick lap strategy, mm. and then they would sit down and try and even sleep during the time they waited so they would um, bank more time back at the camp area to try and get some of that sleep but I wasn't sleeping very well anyway so I was like why am I why am I gonna you know push and rush to get myself back there if then I just twiddle my thumbs and and get chilly (laughs) so so realistically they're going to have at most 12, 13, 14 minutes sleep, would you say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the God. most. I mean, and, and that's like, I mean, you might have other things you have to do during that time as well, like eat or, um, you know, get bottles ready for the next lap or whatever you have to do, change your shoes. So 13 minutes would be like the maximum amount of sleep you could get if you were able to instantly fall asleep it's quite it's quite brilliantly sadistic in that respect isn't it it's it's designed to prevent you from having any sleep if you want to get go into the the latter stages of it yeah it's quite wonderful yeah his race i mean 
He's got tons of different races, um, and all of them are really unique in the way they push you. It's a it's a whole different ball game, you know. It's pretty cool. So, have you done anything like it before? No, no. And, that was and a how, big learning experience. <laughs> what were you expecting going? Did you have actually a strategy of how you're going to approach it going in? I didn't really. I didn't know what to expect, um, but I knew I wanted to try and stay in it till the very end. So it was um, staying in the mindset of like, if there's other people in this race, then you don't even get to start thinking about being done. Mm. And I was also trying to really not get attached to any distance marker because uh, I don't know, like if you're really attached to say 150 miles and then you get there and the race isn't over it can yeah. be kind of heartbreaking. So it was staying as open-minded as possible about how far we might go. So you've almost got to give yourself targets that can then suddenly dissolve so that you're not then, you know, you, you don't get there and, and your, your whole motivation dissolves as well yeah yeah it's so, crazy it's really cool so how did how did the field like deplete then was it quite a sort of a steady drop off or, or or did a lot of people drop off at certain points and then it was left with with you know just a couple of you running at the end how how did how did the field sort of disappear and when when was it you realized that you're basically it's just you and the other person yeah i think tons of people stayed in for the first 24 hours, yeah. um, which was really cool. The way it works out mileage wise is um, 24 hours is exactly 100 miles. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So quite a few people made it through that entire first day and entire first night. Um, and then it was kind of like a, a steady, slow drop off of people over the course of that second day. And we um, got down to... I think like five or six of us for quite a long time, like the entire second night. I think there were maybe five of us only. Um, and so that made that road section feel a little bit lonely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how does it work when, when the bell goes? Do you, have you, do you almost get into a rhythm where, oh, he goes first, I I guess slightly behind or are you running together chatting or does it change each time? Uh, the first day was a lot more chatting and then the chatting kind of petered off and um, you sort of knew where in the group your pace put you unless someone, um, you know, was like throwing a wrench in the plan and going really fast or much slower than they had been doing. But yeah, people kind of fell into their same pace once we had um, gotten into that second day. And, um, and in terms of the people there, um, when you were going into it, did you think there were some clear favorites and, and did the people who did well turn out to be who you were expecting? Um, there were people I knew were set up to do really well because they had experience with this type of race or experience with like a six day race, for example. Um, mm. But then the way this race is set up, anyone could do well if they just stay in the race. 
it's a four miles per hour is not super fast. And so if you can figure out, you know, the sleep and the eating and the, the mental piece of it, anyone could be in there until the end. And, and, and were they? Because I, that's one thing I'm fascinated by because obviously the faster you are, the less impact it has on your body to go around slowly. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that someone slower couldn't still persist. Or were you finding people who were substantially slower runners still up there? Um, I, I guess I didn't know tons about, I didn't do tons of research beforehand. So I didn't know, you know, who would be categorized as a fast runner versus uh, um, someone who could sustain a pace for days upon days. I just knew a few names, but really it, it didn't matter. And at the same time, it totally mattered because you needed each other. You like, it felt much easier when there was a group of five of us than when it got down to just three of us, even though that's not even a big difference, you know, but when there's five of you, it feels like kind of like a team effort and it's not that crazy to be out there doing it because there's a handful of you doing it together and then as the numbers got smaller and smaller it felt like crazier and crazier <laughs> so so talk us through then so when there's the five of you you're coming into the finish talk us through what you're seeing and what everyone's doing yeah so the finish start finish area was um, also where everyone could set up their tents and people basically when they got back to the camp would duck into their tent almost immediately and um, maybe close their eyes or eat some food or change their clothes. So really at the camp area during that second day, once it had really dwindled down in numbers, um, you didn't see people really around the camp except all the crews and the people cheering. But runners were disappearing pretty quickly to take care of their business because there wasn't very much time ever. And and would you, I guess the, the beauty of a, a four mile one lap in an hour is that you can be constantly grazing on any food you want and you, you don't even have to eat when you come in because actually, oh, yeah. there's, there's no yeah. reason why. So well, how were you, uh, you've done a lot of hundred mile um, races, 24 hour races, were you using the same nutrition strategies? I was, yeah. Um, and then as we got farther and farther into the race, I started needing just some different options. So we did some pierogies. Do you guys know what pierogies are? Like the little potato filled pasta? No, like no. glocky. They're like a little pasta pocket that's filled with mashed potatoes, basically. Oh, quite that a delight. Really weird. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't that doesn't sound as though something I'd want to eat. That what? By blandness within blandness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I also, um, someone was out in town during the. I think it was the second afternoon, and so we had him swing by McDonald's. And pick me up some double cheeseburgers. <laughs> but for the most part, it was just, you know, the typical nutrition. I just needed some more, like, something that packed a little more punch as it got later and later into the race. 
How much, and, how and much you, food do you, do you like need for that amount of time running, though? That's the. To, I mean, I, I know the when you when you're doing other races and stuff, you know, you, you could take some food along with you, and you have aid stations and things like that. But I mean, without knowing how long you're going to be out there, is it just a case of just bringing as much as you can and, and hoping that it'll last? Yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah, just constant eating for those couple of days. My husband was there crewing me and it was the, you know, the biggest crewing task he'd ever, ever had to do <laughs> because I was, I was there every hour. Like he never had a huge break, you know, cause there I was back again after 50 minutes and asking for some more food. <laughs> so was he staying up the whole time as well? Yeah, the oh, first no. night he slept for a few hours um, because I was still, you know, pretty with it and mm. and uh, pretty self sufficient. But as it got later, it just, um, yeah, he was a huge help in in having food prepared when I got in, so that during the nighttime there'd be, you know, something hot that I could eat. It got pretty chilly out there, so um, it was nice to come back and have some options for food and not just eating you know straight out of a package and, and it, what's he what's he like with his pep talks especially like when, when it gets a bit later <laughs> or, 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 do you, or do you not rely on those <laughs> i i don't usually need a pep talk from him. just him being there is is a vote of confidence enough Aww, for that's lovely yeah. what, oh, the, the, the sight of him suffering while you run <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like no you better not be sleeping i'm not sleeping <laughs> yeah, were, were there times when you, you came in and you're like mate you're not gonna get through this come on now have some of mine <laughs> and and so you didn't have any or a, a joke or a story every hour that he had have thought of in the 50 minutes that that would be the thing he'd tell you when you came in no i mean he he would yeah sometimes throw some of those in but it wasn't a required part of the crewing i should have made it a required part that's a good idea was, was he was he was he responsible for espionage because i know david and uh, and claire they they make a very good couple in terms of like spying on others and and, and checking out the competition did you did you set into that because i imagine in this kind of race that's actually you'd, you'd really, have, really important you'd, yeah. you'd have run in and, and claire would have been snogging his face <laughs> yeah, yeah. and i'd have been like good work claire <laughs> nailed it literally <laughs> no i didn't he didn't do any spying um but that would be a, a good idea as well you know no one was showing their cards though if if people had a if runners were tired no one was acting tired ever really? if crews you know knew their runner was struggling they weren't sharing that information with people <laughs> it was it was holding your cards really close um, which made it, you know, all the more surprising when people would drop because you'd be like, what? You didn't even look tired. I didn't even see it coming, you know? Because I guess it's a, a kind of distance and speed where you could you could carry a relatively substantial injury and and do another lap still and then another and then another. And was that happening? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And in, in terms of then, because you, you mentioned people weren't really showing any signs of weakness. How were people changing 
changing in how they ran and how they looked throughout the, the latter stages? It would be like no, no signs at all that things were going south for them. And then they maybe would have a slow lap and then suddenly they'd be done or they'd um, have a slow lap and then they'd try to do another and they wouldn't make it back in time. And um, if you don't make it back within the hour, you're out. So it'd be like, a seems, seems like everything is fine. And then uh, suddenly like off a cliff. Or it's, the, it's not the, fine. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the. I suppose that's the nature of the race, isn't it? Because mm. I, I was reading that, like Laz was saying, that it's a it's a race, like what he said, a race that's built for not for speed, but for for mental strength. And you can't show mental strength in any way. And so, you literally all you need is a game face and and the ability. And there's no way of really judging unless you unless you know a lot of the other runners and you know what they've done and you know what they're capable of doing. Um, but even it's difficult for them to read what kind of race they're having. Um, oh, and yeah. So it's, it, it's kind of like sort of poker. Uh, in, totally. In yeah. And Johan, the guy who won, have you, have you guys ever talked to Johan? No, Steve? Really haven't. Oh, no, he's, he is a great guy and um, super interesting, lives over in Sweden and is, you know, pretty master class runner at these multi-day events. Um, and he just, yeah, straight poker face the whole time. You couldn't tell what was going on with him on the inside. And uh, he ended up winning. Yeah. He, yeah, he's so strong. So I go for, I go for so, the opposite thing. I look like I'm in pain from probably about the first mile. Uh, and then that never stops. And I find that that's a much <laughs> more effective way because it, you, you, you can't go anywhere else from that. Yeah, yeah. That could be a good strategy, too, is just to <laughs> constantly look like you're in pain, but keep going. And constantly looking like you're an awful runner as well, Jay. That would be <laughs> I get, really in this, clever. In this really. type of race, it does. it's all about mental strength. It's not about speed. <laughs> it's all about mental. You see, the thing is, that's the thing. I haven't found the right race. I'm not a bad runner. I just haven't found the right race yet. Well, you got to try this, this format. This could be it. <laughs> So were there times then? Because when you said there's a three, two, one, and then the bell goes, do you have to actually be on the line as yeah, the bell yeah. goes then? He draws to- a, um, a spray paint box on the ground right by the start line, and you have to be standing inside that box when the bell rings, and you have to start your loop when he rings the bell. So there's no flexibility with, um, you know, oh, I'll just be a little late on this lap. You couldn't start a lap late. You had to start it right when the bell rang. So why are people failing because they'd just failed to put their trainer on or they just suddenly thought, oh, I forgot my run back to their tent and the bell's gone and, or doing sprint finishes to try and get into the box? Yeah, there were some sprint finishes, which were really impressive. Um, and people, yeah, would often get themselves back in time, leap into the box for that starting bell and uh, head straight into the next lap. So no time to, you know, get food or drink or whatever they need. Um, and they just try and play catch up after that, basically. See, I think I'd end up doing lots and lots of stretches in the box, especially ones that, you know, kind of man and spreading stretches just to the rest of the the competitors really trying to assert my dominance yeah that, 
in terms of mental uh, flexing your muscles <laughs> i mean probably not my muscles i don't think that would intimidate <laughs> anyone but um <laughs> so then what what were you finding then when as you were nearing and nearing those those latter laps what was it that was starting to play on your mind Oh, for me, it, I mean, it was right off a cliff. I was, you know, doing pretty fine. And and physically, I was still hitting the, I was getting through the lap in enough time. So mm. it wasn't that I was, you know, getting too slow. But it was like I was out of battery. There was nothing left for me to give. And I got back um, after one lap. And I could tell that that was happening for me and that it was like, you know, I was in the, in the red zone or whatever you want to call it. And Mm. I went out for the next one and got back and it was like, there's nothing left. I, I can't go on another lap. I have nothing left to give here. And it was hard. Like my crew, it was my um, husband and then a friend had stepped in who had been racing um, and had finished like a few hours earlier and was crewing me. And they're looking at me and they're like, you, Physically, there's nothing, you know, like I wasn't limping. I wasn't like I didn't Mm. have bones sticking out or some, you know, crazy visible injury that anyone could see. But just like on my insides, it was it was empty. Battery was out of charge. (laughs) It was crazy. It was a weird weird feeling. Do you think that was your your brain or actual energy sources like glycogen or fat stores or yeah I think maybe a little bit of both and I'm hoping that having done this one time um will build up you know some more of that mental strength so that the next time I try it I can you know build off of where I where I went to this past time and what would you do differently then coming back Oh, I would um, really want to work on figuring out how to sleep in those moments that you had. I never really was falling asleep. And so after two and a half days or whatever of of being awake, that became pretty trying on my body, but also on my brain. Um, So I think I'd want to work on the sleep game a little bit. Because is is that something Johan managed? Yeah, it, it didn't go well for me this this time, but um, hopefully that would help the next time go better. I don't and, know. <laughs> and had Johan managed to get sleep in during that period, do you think? I never really fell asleep. I laid down and would shut my eyes. I maybe fell asleep a few times while I was running, but I never got, you know, like a solid recharge, restart the system yeah. sleep, which I think would have helped. So I think I um, I keep on uh, is my mic cutting out a bit. I was just wondering whether if Johan, you're the the winner, if he'd managed to uh, um, sleep at all. Oh yeah, I don't know if it's a urban legend or what, but apparently he can sleep while he's running pretty successfully. <laughs> so. So he had he had twelve hours a night. Yeah, yeah, 
he was more refreshed than in his normal life, probably. <laughs> you see, he started this urban myth. He's got the mind games down. That's the thing. Isn't it? What you need to I, do. He, next he probably t- did. Yeah, next time, find out where he's staying the night before and literally keep it, get, get all your friends to keep him awake. Book the, the rooms out next to him, play music all night, banging on his door. <laughs> he, his mind games are insane. We need to get this guy on. Yeah, yeah you should have him on. He's really cool. Because there, it, there must be something to do with the, like meditation in the last two miles, so that as you're coming, there must be a way you'd have thought in which you can almost prepare your mind to a meditative state, so that when you're coming through the line, you could almost let go of your your Instantly, current situation. Yeah. That's a really good way to frame it, and maybe I need to you know shift my thinking a little bit to to be more like that. Mostly when I was um, heading back to sleep, it would be, I was so excited to get there to sleep that I'd run a little bit faster (laughs) and get myself, you know, a little riled up and then roll into the finish area and just be like with adrenaline pumping because I was so excited to get back to go to sleep that then I couldn't sleep anymore. (laughs) It's like, it's like in the BMR when you're, you're going down the home straight and you, you've got that beer coming and you actually have to ease off a little bit. So you stop yeah, breathing yeah. and you can actually drink it. <laughs> and so when, um, when did you, did you not complete your lap then? Or did you not start the next one? I didn't start the next one. So I went out and I shook Johan's hand, um, and sent him on his way so that he knew it would be his, his victory lap and then we yeah waited around for him to get back from those four miles but i so didn't did he, i didn't even did go out on it he finished yeah yeah okay. and has he he told you how many more he thought he had in him no he didn't do you know oh. do you do i mean did you have a clear idea that oh I, I think i've only got a couple more laps left in me or was it a case of all of a sudden you just thought Right, that, that's it. It was pretty sudden for me. It was um, maybe over the course of two laps that I really spiraled and, and, uh, and tanked, and then it was over. God, that's crazy, isn't it? It just suddenly all comes on. And especially as you'd have thought that it, it, it would just be a slow build-up where you'd eventually, caffeine wouldn't help, sugar wouldn't wouldn't help and um but to think that it can just turn around and so quickly were, were you in before that were you feeling your energy level was going waves yeah it went in waves um so the second night was probably the sleepiest i was where i was mm. actually falling asleep out on the road section um but when i stopped we were into the third night so i had um, you know, kind of pushed through that wave of sleepiness and um, had a fine second day or whatever on mm. the trails. <laughs> third, I don't know, third day. Um, Potentially, you could take out a, a kind of seven-minute alarm clock, ten-minute alarm, alarm clock. But when you're feeling tired, you just sleep on the road, set the alarm, and then if you've grabbed... 10 minutes run in straight for the start yeah yeah i didn't try that that would definitely be a strategy and so so you're gonna it sounds like you're gonna go back then (laughs) 
<laughs> I definitely need to go back at some point this coming year. It won't work for me um, to go back to it, but hoping the next year I can make it back for it. And, and what are you going to do differently, do you think? Oh, man. All of it. I can't give all my secrets, right? It's all, <laughs> it's all poker. It's a poker game. <laughs> well, hopefully Johan, now he's qualified, will... Uh... Um, won't won't need to come back. So uh, you <laughs> hope you should be firm favorite. You'd have thought. Oh, like I said, though, anyone could be could be there at the end. That's what's cool about the format. Because how many how many started? I think he Laz caps it off at. Oh gosh, I don't I don't remember the number. Maybe seventy people. So that's a that's a lot. Yeah, because they're actually going to do one in uh, in the Middle East next month. Oh, cool! So, yeah, one of the listeners' podcasts, Mark. He's he's organising it, and um, I think that also gets qualification as well. Nice, um, it's a golden ticket. Yeah, but um, I mean that's going to be really interesting because it's got everything that will that will have in uh, in your race in the format except i imagine having to deal with that heat is going to be horrific where the the temperature at the peak and then even in the at the night is going to dramatically vary and so i can imagine people really hitting problems if they're not careful yeah yeah having great gear then at your campsite is going to be crucial i think so you can adjust throughout the day you can stay warm while you sit there or cool down while you're back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so was the, was the main motivation for this race then to get a Barclay entry or was it the race itself? Uh, for me, it was the race itself to see how far I could go distance-wise and, and time-wise. How long could I, could I last? And is, this, is that what you were expecting? Uh, I wanted, I wanted to go over 300 miles. I think that would have been, um, more along the lines of what I thought maybe was possible, but I had no idea. Cause I, what, where did you end up again? Cause, um, I mean, it was something fairly substantial. I'm just trying to check was, my notes. Sorry. Apologies. It was, uh, 279 miles. Oh my God. Oh, that's, not, that's so much further than because oh, I mean what, what is the record for the longest do, do we, does anyone know the record for the longest distance running one go uh, at one um, of these I types Lance, of races just didn't yeah um, yeah yeah Yo with no Johan sleep Johan got it at 283 this year I don't know though because you know there's all those six day races or um, three day races where people don't sleep very much either and I'm not sure what those distance records are yeah i mean and, and were you were you training differently to how you'd prepare for a 100 mile race or 24 hour race for this then because of the extra distance uh not too much no the month prior i had run a 200 mile race so i was hoping physically that my body was ready for it if i rested enough between hand and then uh hoping just you know years of trying these races would mm. mentally help prepare me for it as well. 
And, and did you do you feel you had any tiredness still from that 200? Uh, not that I noticed, no. But who knows? <laughs> now, going back to your, your previous running career, career I mean, we've mentioned uh, a few of your a few of your impressive runs the the rabbit run rabbit 100 mile race and the javelin in jundreds um, i mean what what drew you to these longer races to begin with oh i love the longer races i i think the amount of time that you get to spend out on the trail and uh the amount of hours and then the amount of problem solving you have to do when you're out there for that long is um really exciting with the longer races because in the um in the run rabbit i've uh it says on, on wikipedia that you you were temporarily temporarily blind during the final stages is that right yeah, yeah that's correct it, how does that it happen <laughs> it wasn't ideal <laughs> and, and is that something you've been able to explain since or um just by talking to doctors i haven't actually had anyone do tests while it was happening, while I was going blind. But um, from what doctors have been able to, you know, get from my descriptions, they said it was a corneal edema, which is a swelling of your cornea um, due to dust and all sorts of particles getting in your eyes. And um, I wear contact lenses, so they just got trapped and rubbed. and so you should wear protective eyewear and do re-wetting drops if you're going to be out there for a really long time in particularly dusty conditions. So you'd, you'd basically sandpapered off your eyes. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. That's not a good tactic. No, I mean, that, I, I, I'm no expert at this, but that's not a good tactic at all. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, when that happened then, well, I mean, firstly, what were you thinking and how did you cope with it? I lo- I, the fact that you just kept running, that, that, was, the, that was the thing that when I, when I heard about this, it's the amazing thing. It's, there's no stopping. It's just carry on. <laughs> well, it was a race. You can't just stop. <laughs> yeah, I think during it, when it was happening, I, I didn't give it much thought. I... Um, if I stared straight down at my feet, I could see right in front of my toes. Mm. And um, so in my head, I was like, well, that's the solution to the problem. Just stare straight down and keep moving as quickly as possible because you're in this race and you need to get to the finish line. So I was falling everywhere um, because it, it's pretty rocky and rooty trail. And so staring straight down at your toes, you know, doesn't, doesn't help you avoid some of those obstacles. <laughs> but yeah, afterwards then it was like, okay, we need to figure out how to not have this happen because that wasn't that fun. <laughs> so your, your first concern was primarily got to get this home, got to win it, and then maybe see if I can ever see again. And then, and then figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Now you still managed to win that race, which I think is incredible. Um, and and how long how long did it take then for for your sight to return? And also, how did the second place finisher feel when they found out that you'd been <laughs> blind for twelve miles? Uh, it took 
It took probably four to six hours to have full vision back. Um, so it was by that evening I could see fully again. And I'm not sure about how the second place person felt about that. <laughs> what did your husband? <laughs> what did your husband say when he saw? I, t- it was, I take it he was there. Yeah, he was there. What, what was it? What were his words to you? Um, I'm over here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, um, his primary concern. So one of the times I fell, I hit my head on a rock, and so my head was bleeding. So the primary concern for people was to go get my head checked out to right. make sure um, there was nothing internal going on that was concerning and then yeah it was just figuring out if this vision thing was gonna come back or not <laughs> i mean i'd say the thing you need to be checked out in your head is the fact you yeah. carry on running the race <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe a side issue i mean surely that you, did you bring it up with johan i mean that would intimidate the hell out of me in a race if you're like well i'm not even blind yet so this is easy <laughs> man i gotta talk to you guys before my next one of these you got all sorts of poker strategies it's because we can't run basically if no one shows up to a race we can we could only just win manage it, to but otherwise <laughs> yeah <laughs> so in, in terms of um in terms of what you've got coming up then because you've had your you've had your 24 hour record broken recently by um listener podcast camille heron um is that something that you you want to get back oh definitely i'll um try to just keep improving my 24 hour running this year we have the 24 hour world championships um in october which will be a really cool opportunity to race you know, some of the best 24-hour racers in the world and um, see if I can put together a good day out there. And do you think the, the backyard race actually helps that? Or do you think you've, you've almost trained your body into such a different rhythm of running that you're going to have to undo that? Um, it is. The backyard racing is definitely a different rhythm and, and pace, you know, doesn't matter, whereas a 24-hour race paces everything. So it'll be um, training more specifically for the pace I hope to hold during a 24-hour event. And are you also going to take on, I know you've, uh, you, you did incredibly well at the Moab 240. Um, you've done, you mentioned another 200-mile race. And we had, uh, we had Courtney on recently, the organizer. Is it? Yeah. yeah oh, are Candace. You, oh, sorry, Candice, not Courtney. What yeah, I, um, yeah. Had, yeah, she was on a... A few weeks ago, talking about her her three races, which are just well, I don't think we've got anything that long uh, one in in one go in the UK actually. But are you, are you going to take on any more challenges like that in the future? Definitely, I think that two hundred mile distance is really intriguing, and I think it can be um, done much faster. So maybe this year, or maybe um, you know, next year, I'll sign up for another one of hers and, and give it a go. She's got some great races, though. So you, so you think the records currently are, are there to be broken? Definitely, yeah. And, and what do you think it is? Do you think it's the, the caliber of running, running who's taken on those 
challenges so far or is it that uh, is, is understanding changing of how to approach these races um maybe a little bit of both and just they're fairly new and um i think if people go into them thinking more in a race mindset versus this like cool 200 mile adventure mindset mm. i think the times can drop a lot but i also think there's i mean it's a such a cool event to do as an adventure so i think mm. on both ends it's it's a really unique opportunity for people to be out on the trails for multiple days in these beautiful locations and and just keep pushing themselves to that finish line whether it takes two days or five days i think it's pretty special so do you think it, it almost takes a while for um people to build up the confidence that these distances are achievable and normalize them before they can really attempt to attack the times yeah maybe so i mean that's an intimidating number when you're when you're looking at it on paper <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's more than i've ever run in in a week uh, um let, let alone in one go um i think my my, my longest run in one go is 56 miles and what's, what about yours jd uh, I did 200 miles um, on the Transalpine. That was over uh, eight days. So, oh, cool! Yeah. But, well, um, both of those are stout oh. numbers. Well, they. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I'm I'm kind of pleased that the UK doesn't have those races, or else <laughs> I'd probably be bullied or tempted into running them. Um, but they, yeah, I just can't quite get my head around it. Um, and, um, and if someone's going to go out there, because I, I know a few of the do badders are interested in taking on um, potentially the Moab or some of the other 200s, what would your, your main advice be to them about how to prepare themselves and what to do that's different to their 100 milers? Um, I mean, not tons. You're not going to you know, do that much more training in a week than what you're doing to prepare for a 100-mile race. I think a big part of it is uh, just your mindset. And knowing that you can finish and that all you have to do is keep moving out there and you'll eventually get to that finish line and maybe you'll surprise yourself with how fast you go. And do you sleep when you do your, your ones or do you always go through a, a solid run through? I try not to sleep. This um, past year when I did Tahoe 200, I was really sleepy though in the second day. And um, ended up laying down out on the trail for quite a few two-minute or one-minute naps, just trying to reset my body, but never laying down for very long. And uh, none of those naps really worked that well. So I'm not the expert. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I just can't even understand what a one-minute lap. The only time. Time I've really taken a one minute lap is probably when I'm driving, and then you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's the closest thing, closest thing to it. I mean, otherwise, I'm oh, out of um, That's not true because I, I, I don't think you've ever driven before. So, well, this, this is <laughs> why I rarely drive. Absolutely, and actually, it's great. It's, it's good marketing for um, for me, so that Claire never wants me to drive again, so she doesn't drive. So it might be true. It might not but either way she's not gonna find out thankfully <laughs> I'm, I'm just i'm just intrigued really as to um how 
what your what your sort of your normal sort of training week looks like and and how you how you manage to prepare yourself because you know even when when you know we talk about 100 milers and stuff um it, there is a certain element of not knowing how to prepare for those but if you're facing up to things like 200 milers and and, and beyond uh, you know what, yeah. how, how do you how do you do you, does your training have to change massively before each of the different races with more sort of race specific um, elements in it or do you stick to a sort of a standard training thing week to week that, that sort of sees you through all of it I stick to um, pretty standard training for all of it I might if I know a race I'm doing has tons of climbing I might add in a little more um, vertical in a week but for the most part it's a variety pack of trails and road running um, about 100 miles per week Mm. Maybe more like 110 or 120 in some weeks, but um, kind of following the lead that the signs that my body gives me on what it is feeling good for and backing off if it's ever feeling really tired. And and how do you try and peak? Um, well, <laughs> I... Uh, I try to peak for races. Yeah. <laughs> but, but how like how do you how do you try and adapt? Is is that something you is there a way to build differences into your training program to try and ensure that you're peaking in, your, in the, the right time in races, or is it just the case that you taper and that gives you a bit more energy to peak? Uh yeah, some of that. I for me, it's a lot of trial and error. I don't have a coach and. Um, I'm just sort of figuring it out as I as I go along. So sometimes it'll be like, oops, we d- did not plan that well and peaking did not happen like I hoped it would. Um, mm. and, and sometimes it works out a little bit better. So I'm still learning a lot um, over the course of the months and the years of doing this. Mm. And, and do you think we're going to see a, a Courtney Camille head-to-head in the near future? Ah, well, she'll be on the, we'll both be on the U.S. team, hopefully in October, competing on the 24-hour world championship, so. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, so we'll be teammates and hopefully can push each other to, um, yeah, make the mark a little bit higher. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If anything's going to get you to to push each other, that that level of competition, oh, wow, that's going to be incredible. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, is there anything else? We've we've covered a few of the topics. Is there anything you'd you'd like to kind of throw out there to our listener, or anything you'd like to discuss at all that we haven't mentioned? Not that I can think of. Anything from your side, JD? No, no. I mean, I just I I was just really interested in the in the whole mindset around um, around the race and and how you prepare for it and i think the only real sort of preparation that you've got is just to get used to having a strong mind um and you know that's not something you just you automatically have i suppose that's something you must have to build up um, and that's just through pushing yourself so i don't know i think it's a really interesting a really interesting race and a really interesting way of approaching it and mm. um you know and just the the distance he covered uh, and how long he went for it's just it's just insane <laughs> <laughs> yeah well thank you yeah, and and do you have one strong um file for that run because that would 
be incredible. That would be crazy. I don't have one, no. Oh, what a shame. That'd be <laughs> that is an amazing shame. twister. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Um, it's been so, so fascinating to hear. And, um, well, good luck if you go back again. And I hope you, I really hope you do. But also, I can't wait to see that head-to-head in the, the 24-hour race. Um, but if there's anything we can do, if you're ever in the UK, do let us know. We've got um, do batters across the whole all of Europe, I'm sure I'm happy to host you, happy to go for a training run. And um, if there's anything we can do to help you at any point in the future, please, uh, please do come to us. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Our pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Courtney. All the best. Do, oh, actually, forgot, if people want to follow you oh, and yeah. to, to find out more or to what, what are your social media handles and, and what's the best way for them to, to get in touch? Um, on Instagram, it's, it's at Courtney Dualter on Twitter, it's at Court Dualter. And then Facebook, um, I have an athlete page, Courtney Dualter. Any of those are, are great ways to get in touch with me. Wonderful. We'll, we'll post them in the, the podcast and with the social media when this goes out. But thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. And, uh, thank we wish you, you best this coming year. Good okay. luck. Thank you. Happy New Year. Say to you. Bye. Bye. See you. Ooh. Oh, man. What do you think of that? I was just, I was waiting. I was waiting and waiting for ages just to ask the question about what is your, so what is your, um, your weekly, uh, your weekly mileage? What's your training? 110 miles. Boom. I was thinking, oh, she, maybe she's got it, maybe she's got it a different way of doing it. Cause you know, we know, like we spoke to Camille, Camille's like, yeah, 100 miles weeks. Yeah. That's, that's what I do. Uh, she had that extra 10, extra 10 a week. Yes. It's amazing. I, we find this time and time again with the the best ultra runners. It's partly what they deem as normal, but also when we like the simple question of like, so how do you how do you peak? Like, oh, yeah, no, do that's you mileage time, <laughs> yeah. and it's like they peak by constantly doing massive miles, so they're just <laughs> constantly badass. Yeah, because I, I'm I'm always, but, um, I'm always peaking. Always exactly, but the. Uh, I just I love the idea of it's the simplicity of, of and of just that extra four miles an hour. I'd love to see it being done for just one mile because I think that is really really where it gets it. Because I can imagine it even sometimes um, you think I've got to go out for a five mile jog and you're like I can't be asked. That seems like a bit of faff. Whereas one mile you can always run one mile surely. And so I just love the simplicity of it and. I think it's one of those races where no one truly knows how they'll do or what they'll be like in those final laps until they actually experience it. Yeah. It just, I, I think the, the whole model of it is brilliant because it, it prevents you from having sleep. I mean, that's the thing you could, you know, with, with other like distances and stuff, you, you can have a nap because you're, there's the structure allows you to do it and this structure is just so sadistic in the sense that you can never have a long enough sleep to for it to to be beneficial in any way you're it's just that it's horrible it's a horrible horrible uh way of doing it which i think is brilliant and and it's it changed it actually said it does completely change who can win this because while the longer the distance 
the greater chance that a slower runner could potentially do well. I still think the fastest runner, as long as they've trained well and they know what they're doing, is going to win no matter what the distance. Oh, really? And Yeah, I really do. And, and there, there might be slight variations within that, but I, I still believe that if Mo Farah trained for an ultra, he'd smash us all, absolutely destroy us. He'd probably have to put on a little bit of weight so he's got a bit more fat, which would help him um, help with his fueling, but maybe not. But yeah, this is the first event, as you say, where speed doesn't help you. Yeah. Well, it that's gets it. That's you back the, yeah. a bit quicker. But, but that's it. Lad, you know, Laz specifically did. He's designed something that, doesn't doesn't give you any benefit as a as a you know a speedster which is brilliant it's just brilliant but even i mean some of the things laz does seem to be just random and wild ideas but then the fact that if you do 25 laps it's exactly 100 miles i mean the the level of mark of marking and the level of measuring you'd have to do to get exactly the right loop there must be a point in his garden where it's like you've got to run around this arc of the garden rather than around this arc because times 25 it's going to make a big difference so i think that's fantastic yeah 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 absolutely are we speaking to last soon we've got him on i think in about two or three weeks if um we have to remind him the week after because he's (laughs) apparently He's, he's quite upfront about it. He's, he's, he says he's going to be in, um, he'll be right in the middle of planning Barclay and potentially going out, laying the books. So, do bad. If you've got any questions about this race, about Barclay Marathons, uh, I want to talk to him about Rob Young as well because he was one of the, the um, one of the the marshals, the watchers, the the referees as such who, when his claims were called into um, into into whether uh, according to question, Laz went down and actually monitored with him, uh, watched him through those final days. Um, or even if you want to ask him about the the race that Rondon did, you know, completely blind running that what, 300 mile race, I think, across, across Central America. Um, let us know your questions. Uh, but yeah, do you think you take a race like that yourself? I think it's really interesting. I, I, the thing is, it'd be one of those ones where, you know, um, you just be doing it to see how far you can go. Uh, I, mm. I don't know. I've never run a race where you don't know how far you're going to go. I, I, that's just really hard that's because you, it's purely down to like the mental strength against you know one person. I mean, it gets down to the last two. Like the the games that you could play would yeah. be incredible. Um, and it sounds like you know that yeah, Courtney could benefit for, from some of your uh, your mind games training possibly. And even the fact that on the, her, once she'd thought, I'm not going out, she, she shook the guy's hand and said, congratulations, and then let him go on his final lap. And she, she, yeah, she just carried even on, that, just hidden behind him. Like. I, would have, I would have started my lap and then one metre in quit, just in case the other person was about to do the same thing. You never know. <laughs> but um, the, the, they're doing it in the Middle East now. Um, I, I don't know if they've got plans to do one in europe but the, the great thing is it's not going to take much organization to put together you just need a four mile loop that's about it maybe yeah. a bit of hills in there and then someone's lovely garden so um 
we'll talk to him in a few weeks and just find out whether he's got plans for one because i think we could potentially put that on ourselves as a do better community i think you're right i think you're, you're uh, the big problem is in the uk is that we we just don't have enough space to do like those 200 miles miles and stuff that unless mm-hmm. it's like a stupid amount of laps around something which which would get really boring mm. <clears throat> but this kind of thing is it exactly the type of thing that you you, you could you know, do which would be absolutely feasible and just awful we could even do it in somewhere like Hampstead heath or like central london hyde park i mean that's that's more than four miles. We wouldn't do it there because it would be just terrible location for web setup and things. But costly, um, yeah, costly. All, all those all, all yeah. those other problems that you'd have. But uh, but yeah, but theoretically, yeah. And then, um, do you think it, for some people, a race like that would be an easier way of doing a hundred miler than doing a hundred miler off the bat? I don't know. Because I think a lot of people in their first—I don't know—I I find it a bit. I when I when I've run 100 miles, I've done it pretty steady in the sense that whereas a lot of people, whether they do their first or second stuff like that, that whole ability to sit down for half an hour and do nothing um, it, mm. is really beneficial because people, you, know, you never really know what your level is until until you've done something like that. Um, but not having that but available at least with this race, it's going to it's going to force your pace to not be too fast uh yeah yeah absolutely that's it it's um yeah it's really interesting i don't you you kind of think yeah it would be good for for a first one but i don't know i don't know you because it forces it puts you in like a straitjacket of how you're supposed to run Mm. without yeah yeah without you having the you know having the ability to, to to sort of pace it yourself um which is which, which may be good or maybe bad, depending on how, how you've trained for it and how it goes. And the thing is, with, it, with those sort of distances, I mean, the benefit of that is that you are controlling that environment a lot better than on a, on a you know, was it called a point to point 100 miler? And there's lots of different things that go wrong. Yeah. But within that, you have so many variables which, which, which you know, you, you, you may or may not be able to control basically, you know, how you're feeling, your, your nutrition and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Court, Courtney didn't sound like she was particularly, you know, uh, hung up on the nutrition that she had though those things what were they called those things they sounded awful i don't know what who, <laughs> potato in pasta i mean, only in america well with, with, with that combination i mean it could just wrap it in a roll as well and literally just you, you cannot get more carbs in a single uh, single food stuff um, it's like a toast sandwich isn't it? <laughs> it's just a toast sandwich <laughs> oh it sounds awful um, but um, <laughs> but maybe it's worth trying. No, we don't know, do we? Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. So many different things. So many different variables can change. You you know, to to, to complete a hundred mile race, everything has to go right, um, uh, and mm. very few things you know go wrong. Um, and when they do, it, it you, you can you know it's it's painful and stuff like that. Um, I just think you just don't you, with this. You don't have any leeway. Um, you've got to be pretty. You've got to be pretty confident you can maintain that, that kind of pace. But maybe, you know, maybe it's a good training one. To, I know that sounds ridiculous, but maybe it's a good training one to try and practice to have a more play. I The thing is, I don't. I, when I've done like um, uh, like 24 hours, the only 24 hours, like, I haven't done a 24 hour race, like a lap type thing. I've done a, what's it, 12 hour race, like a lap thing um, with a relay team. And I hated running and then sitting around for a bit. I'm waiting. I know it's only in this case, it's only like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, but I hated that. 
Um, mm. And it was just, it was, I, I don't know. I, I, it just didn't appeal to me. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if I'd, I like doing that. Um, of course, that's assuming that I'd run that quick enough to come in and and, ha- and yeah, actually be sta- you know sitting around or standing around. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's just weird. I think it's a weird a weird thing. But I think it's I think it's brilliant. Well, we'll um, we'll see if we can set one up for Europe in the next year or so. But uh, do better if your first time listening to the podcast. Sorry, other episode. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry for the for the for the medical episode. Yeah, I think JD's had a lot to get off his chest. I have but, had a lot to get uh, off my chest. Um, Thank you. Mainly a cold. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, we've um, but we've got quite a few episodes with similar topics. Actually, we speak to, uh, to John Kelly, who was the last person to complete Barkley Marathons. Um, we talked to Dean Carnassus as well about running Spartathlon and uh, hundred mile plus races. Um, we have spoken to Ron Marie. Ron Marie. Avery, who's now changed her name to Runway Park, she took on Barclays as a blind runner, but she's also taken part in a multi-day race, one of Laz's, um, unguided as a blind runner, which was insane. I mean, that episode just blows your mind. Um, any episodes you'd recommend, JD? Uh, I think all of those episodes that you're talking about are perfect. If, you, if, if you're looking for, for more like this, um, if, if you haven't done something um, or you're thinking about doing that, um, the episode where I run 100 miles um, the first time, um, probably one to to listen to. Um, there's some stuff in there that might be useful um, when you're preparing to do that. Um, and if yeah, any of the most recent ones in terms of doing like crazy distances and stuff like the uh, the Brendan Mendel one where he's run across Africa is a great, great episode. Yeah, fantastic. So um, thanks for listening. If you've got any suggestions on who you'd like to us to interview get in the facebook group or messages as letters at badboyrunning.com if you've got any suggestions on jody's bet do let us know let us know your feedback as well on um whether you think we need one in europe and what you make of uh of cheats anything else we've discussed and please do subscribe and leave us a positive rating in itunes if you've made it this far well done well done hope you have it back again soon <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers, buddy. See, See you later. later. Bye. Brother, bye. 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 Bye.